it's shiny, it's awesome, it's cool, it's a piece it's of hardware that I can give my baby boy. Because I didn't eat anything. You know, absolutely. Hold on, I'm talking, brother. 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 Hello, and welcome back to Hold On, I'm Talking, Brother. My name is Joe Greenwood, and you are listening to our UFC 273 review of Volkanovski versus the Korean Zombie from Jacksonville, Florida. A place that I hope the UFC never go back to again, because uh, that crowd was ass. Uh, Tom Ballum, my regular co-host, how much did you enjoy this card, and how hyped are you, not even just to like think about it, but to talk about this card? That's the one, Joe. I am so looking forward to getting your opinions here. Because we've got adopted this new strategy on the pod to keep these reviews fresh. We don't really talk about it until no. we can get on the mic. It's Tuesday. It's been a couple of days. Joe, I haven't been able to sleep, man. This was a crazy card with so many talking points. <laughs> you're right, actually. You're, you're you're very right. I was a little bit I was a little bit arsy before we started recording about this. But Tom reminded me this card was actually wild. Okay, then let's start though. Let's start where we should always start, which is the main event. Alexander Volkanovsky finishes the Korean Zombie in round four, retaining his featherweight title. And Tom, what was your main takeaway from these two performances? So we all love to play the contrarian. And um, there was a lot of praise being heaped upon uh, Volkanovski for just how sharp, how fast he looks. Um, yeah. I mean, the shape he was in was no doubt incredible. Yeah. That's what I've come to expect from Volkanovski. So that was no surprise to me at all. Um, unfortunately, I was also not surprised by the performance of Chan Sung Jung. I really felt vindicated in saying this fight should should not really have taken place. Um, Chan Sung Jung, he was nowhere near him, was he, Joe? No, he wasn't. And... It's one of those performances, though, where, for me, it was less the zombie and more Volkanovski. I don't know if that's your main takeaway from it. I thought Volkanovski... Nah, I'm sorry, man. I thought Volkanovski really mixed it up quite well and went away from his usual game plan of the calf kicks and actually took it to a more boxing body kicks, which uh, I found to be quite the interesting turn that I don't think the zombie was expecting, uh, which then obviously froze the zombie, and then Volkanovski was just cracking him with some huge shots. I still maintain that I think the zombie was pretty much the best choice that you could have made in these circumstances, which were far from ideal. And actually, in a criticism of the UFC and of this fight, this kind of felt like a stay-busy boxing sort of title fight, didn't it? Where you got one guy who is clearly so much better than the other and is just basically trying to keep rounds in them rather than a true challenge for Volkanovski. We, I think, I don't know about you, but I think there was some kind of hope that the zombie could make it interesting, but it was just, I think, impossible. Well, yeah, it was, it was impossible. Um, it was, and that really proved to be true. You got to this point, kind of like, uh, this is going to be a strange one that I throw at you here, but kind of like... Masvidal Diaz, where people are like, "All right, just wait to the later rounds. Wait, you know, yeah. he's gonna his power's gonna start to tell. This is where he gets good. You know, he just needs to get punched in the head a few more times, <laughs> <laughs> and then he'll be in the zone." Yeah. And um, 
you know, I guess people were kind of hoping for a vintage um, Korean zombie performance, you know, the kind mm. of performance he built his name off, where he was able to walk through those shots um, yeah. and then, you know, make it into the kind of fight that he needed it to be. It, it mm. just never looked like materialising here. And, no. Uh, it, I mean, it, it, it was sad, Joe. I'm sorry. I'm, yeah, I'm it sorry. Was. And for me, look, if you've got Brian Ortega boxing you up, how are you going to go and make a fight with, with uh, Volkanovski? How, how are you going to make that fight after what we saw uh, in, that, in that performance against Ortega? Yeah. Um, I've got nothing good to say about it. There was no moment that made me feel good about this. You know, yes, Volkanovski, he was, he was excellent, but it just, it wasn't, he, Zombie was not a worthy challenger. It was, it was sad. Well, I, even by that rationale then, who do you think are the worthy challengers that could have stepped in in this moment? Considering that, like, Yair Rodriguez had just lost to Max Holloway in a pretty brutal fight that he wasn't going to be ready from. Uh, who else well, is even ranked up well, there, well, th- to be honest? I still, I still think on a ranking side it makes sense. This is the problem in that division in Featherweight, is that they keep fucking putting Max Holloway against guys coming up. <laughs> Right, you you cannot mark, mark, uh, match up Max Holloway with anyone that you want to fight Volkanovski because they're just not going to get through him, you know. Mm. So he, also Calvin Cater was really looking like he he could be the guy uh, mm. to mix it up there at the top. I would fancy Calvin Cater to beat Zombie, by the way. And um, they, I think so now for sure. What after that beatdown, or or just you've seen well, also just decline? It, I think the Zombie's decline is. A lot more evident at the sort of higher level now. Like, if I think he would, obviously, he would struggle against Holloway, as in the way that most featherweights would struggle against him. But I think also now you're starting to see, like, the fact he's 37 at featherweight. Like, that's that's a that's a tough, tough age to be in that division. Um, and there's no aging gracefully. Unless you're Alexi Olinik or Clover Teixeira, but like, there's no great aging gracefully in MMA. Well, and there is a and there is a common theme in those two guys, right? Both uh, jujitsu specialists, both in the heavier weight classes. Of yeah, course, yeah. You can't you can't be an older man at featherweight. I guess for me, I mean, looking for talking points from this fight and going forwards, uh, the stoppage. When should it have come? In terms of. What Herb Dean, how when he could have stopped it? I think that was about right. Maybe, maybe Agreed. at the end of the third, maybe at the end of the third. But I think personally, yeah, okay. He gave him a minute. He didn't let him get knocked down and take a shitload of ground and pound. He was just battered on the feet, and it's just like that's enough. And that was that was the right call. I think the towel should have been thrown in at the end of that third round, and you should have saved the zombie. You should you, they should have saved him. He was I'm, battered and beaten, and yeah. End yeah. of the third round. I think you you called that just right there, Joe. I, I felt exactly the same. Um, again, I think it's probably tricky for his coaches because that's the type of fighter he, he has been. I don't know. Mm. Uh, I guess there is an element there that maybe he wants to go out, he wants to be seen to have, have given it truly his all. And it was only the mm. third round. Interestingly, um, I did actually think the third round was his best round yeah, uh, I really agree yeah clutching there but um yeah yeah I the think only other one I... sorry sorry yeah, go on. no no you're gone well I, I was just gonna say because I, I just don't know how much there is more to 
pull from this fight, other than what we were saying before we came on and that we like you don't, uh, Volkanovski, you, the champ. Okay, now. let me ask you this then. Do you, would you have Volkanovski as the pound-for-pound best fighter in the UFC? I've no. seen some talk of that. No, no, no still no. Usman. That would be like, sorry, Joe, like for me, that would be like Usman gets matched up with Diaz, wails on him, <laughs> and then you call him the P4P. Uh, no. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, not, not having that. I'm sorry. Have you seen Kamaru Usman's title-winning performance and his defenses? Has you seen? What yeah. He's done to the guys up. Yeah, there? I'm. I'm just. I'm just throwing this out there as a talking point in terms of this. I'm not having it, Joe. I'm not talking about that. Kamaru Usman is the P for P. I will consider Volkanovski up there if he beats Holloway for a third time. Is I have that, a number is two. Is that next, Joe? Is that? Do you think that's the right fight to make next? What about Arnold Allen? Isn't it time? You know what? Yeah, I'd rather Arnold Allen. I'd, I'd, if it was the winner of Allen versus Cater, that's perfect for me. I, I'd, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not hyped for a Holloway fight. I'm really not. I'm, I'm with you a hundred percent. The winner of Allen and Cater fights for the belt. Look, if it was like this, you're telling me Holloway's going to retire. You only get to see him one more time. All right. All right. Yes, I want to see yeah. him fight Volkanovski because I love Holloway and I want to. I want to see that fight. But I'm thinking these guys are still going to be around for a year or two. I think that's safe to assume. I hope that's safe to assume. Mm. In which case, you know, Holloway match him up with whoever. Maybe make a fun fight for Holloway. You could even go try a bit of one fifty-five again. Doesn't matter what Honor. happens. That would be amazing. Give Holloway the chance yeah. to avenge that, and then um, and then we can have Holloway and Volkanovski one last time before Volk potentially moves up. But let's not let's not mm. get deep into the weeds there. Um, no. Just for the listeners, for for reference point, I had this one as a decision, so I was wrong. Decision win for Volkanovski. It was the same for you, wasn't it? Yeah, decision win for Volkanovski. I think we were both thinking that he could have maybe got a late finish in this, which is obviously what happened. But, um, yeah, I thought a decision was going to be fair. I thought the zombie was going to have a bit more success initially, and then Volkanovski was going to pull away. But Volkanovski's boxing in this was superb, and he took away the zombie's jab, and there was no way in for the zombie once that was taken away. So, um, yeah, it was... uh, He completely neutralised him, and he stopped him from getting going. Right! Co-main event time. The most controversial fight on this card, I think it's fair to say. Tom, I'm going to ask you a simple question. How did you score this co-main event, and why did you score it that way? So, uh, for me, uh, it's always the case that how you score the event, it's it's in that moment, right? You have, you're the judge at the end of the round. You write down the score. You can't watch it back. Um and so it's what your gut feeling was at the end and obviously there's a lot of things influencing you there so Mm. i've got what i wrote down here in the moment and i I haven't i'm not gonna die on these hills but this is how i felt uh round one joe i gave it to peter yan i gave it to peter yan now i gave it because he had he was control of the octagon uh, he was marching forward. He had Sterling kind of pinned back uh, where he wanted him, near to the cage. He was the more accurate striker, I felt, in that round. And um, I think anything that Sterling lower, did throw... It, sorry, He sorry. had the lower output. He had the lower output in that round, though. I, I do recognise that, yeah. Lower output, but better accuracy. And I, I also felt like he defended 
pretty much everything Sterling put on him. And mm. Sterling had the volume, but he didn't have the accuracy. And I still think Jan blocked most of it. What about you? Well, oh, hold on. Before I go okay. to my scores, <laughs> I'm oh, presuming for... rounds two, two and three, you scored for Sterling. Well, I, you'd have to kick me off the pod right now if I had anything other than that <laughs> to say. Okay. And you scored round four and five for Jan? Yes, yes, yes. 100%. Did you score round two as a 10 8? No. Okay. So basically, it came down to round one, which I think most people can agree with. So we, we were the same there. That was not a 10 8 round two, right? It, was, it wasn't, I, wasn't, wasn't I, close I, for me. I, for me, no. There was a lot of people that have been like, well, if you look at the wording of it exactly, it's just like, yeah, I, I get that the control and the fact that Jan was never going to get out of that body triangle and there was he wasn't it's really the doing damage, effective offensive damage I'm I'm as you know I am maybe the most conservative scorer of 10 eights that you that you're ever going to meet a 10 eight to me is near enough murder like you need to see a guy basically clinging on for dear life to get a 10 eight and Jan was effectively defending Fine. Anyway, we'll get into round two in a second. Round one, for me, my scoring of that, I gave it to Piotr Jan. And I gave it for the fact that he had the control, as you say, the more accurate striking, and also the takedown defence. I thought the takedown defence was really, really good in that. Like, Sterling was nowhere near. And to be honest, I thought Aljamain Sterling was a little bit short of ideas in that that first round, uh, and I was thinking, oh dear, I wouldn't. You wouldn't want to give round one up to Piotr Jan, and that's what I felt he did. And well, just just to jump in there, like the one thing I did write on on round one again that I I didn't bring up was I I put it with exclamation mark and a question mark, hiding uh, something Ray Longo said. Not for the first time, by the way, that I've put exclamation marks and question marks after things that Ray Longo says. Uh, <laughs> Beautiful champ, that's one for you. Uh, and I, I couldn't really understand what what was going on there. Were they just trying to keep his confidence high because they know, you know what they saw last time? Was it the just the body kicks that he was that he was landing the kicks? But then saying that the kicks that he landed were he landed three or four legs. Uh, I don't know, man. He did actually strike Jan by quite a bit in that round. Now that I'm looking at it. Yeah, I, and I and I saw that. That's what I was saying. Kind of post fight, I did see that the advantage went to. Sterling. This is post fight, though. This is yeah. post fight. You're yeah. in the you're in the moment. You're watching round one. I gave it to Piotrian. Have you rewatched round one? I since? haven't. I haven't. I suspect I, I would. I would be wavering. That's that's my. Favorite. I wavered massively. Right. I wavered massively, and so by that rationale, this is. I think me and you agree that this is not a robbery. Aljamain Sterling winning this fight. It's certainly not a robbery, and that's why I won rematch. I won rematch has to become <laughs> has to become a meme because that, I mean, that, was, that was just so round fun. one, round two, yeah. round four, round five. It's just like okay, Jan, do you want to take round three or do you want to be charitable with that one? Like, I think he was... honestly, he was just he was just tired off the fight and he forgot the number between two and four because I think he was claiming all of them, Joe. If you're claiming yeah. round two, then you're taking round three as well for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well. Yeah, yeah it, it was. Yeah, I I get this, but do you know that me and you are outliers in this? In that most people scored it for Aljamain Sterling in the media. I think they are on the. 
the media scores website, I think two out of 25 scored it for Jan. Wow, that really makes me question myself in that moment. And we do know yeah. like, just how vulnerable we are to our biases, to the commentary, to the crowd, to the whole shebang, mm. you know. Uh, mm. I, I really feel like if I were to watch that back, I really strongly suspect that I'd be scoring it for Sterling. Which, um, I mean, we have to praise Sterling, Joe. Yes. We, we have to praise Massively. Sterling. Because he did actually uh, successfully identify a major weakness in uh, Jan's game. That hadn't really been exploited until this moment. And that's where Jan has fantastic uh, defense. He's able to to block takedowns. But in doing so, he turns away to explode back and get out of danger. He gives his back. He creates that space. And and Sterling, with those kind of chain wrestling uh, motions, was able to pounce on it like a backpack, just like he said he would. So, really... Considering all the kind of hate that he was eating before the fight, I think you've really got to praise Aljamain here. Yeah, I yeah, I, th- I think there needs to be some praise for him here. And also, I actually feel like a lot of predictions for this fight weren't actually incorrect in how people foresaw the fight going, which was Sterling needs to win rounds early and that Jan would come on later in the fight, which is quite literally what happened. And you were thinking, oh, okay, well, if Sterling goes a round or two up, Jan's going to have to take over from round three. And it just obviously didn't happen because, well, Sterling, round two and three are pretty much identical. And when you're looking at that as, you know, something to overcome then for Jan, it's quite the, quite the, uh, quite the, the uh, obstacle. Talking about uh, just how good this card was and thinking about the moments in the card. Now, yeah, perhaps it, it wasn't a 10 out of 10 um, for, a, for a card. But the moment mm. where that possibility occurred to Jan that Sterling could leap on his back that fast and the look yeah. on his face and just the feeling in there like, oh, wow, this is different now. Uh, yeah. That was a big moment. And yeah, and it also a great also watch makes to you, see that happen. It, it it was amazing, yeah, and also it makes you now wonder how injured was Sterling through his run to get to that initial title shot. Like he was claiming that he was badly uh, uh, injured leading into that fight. And he, he, I mean, they all are, but are you proclaiming the era of Aljamain is upon us? Oh. <laughs> I Come mean, on, Joe. He, he's the most unlikable champion that they've got right now, to the point where even Dana doesn't like him. Uh, I wonder if that has anything to do with Aljamain being quite open about fighter pay, but uh, I don't know. We'll save that for another time. Um, What's next, Joe? TJ Dillashaw. Yeah, probably about right. I mean, TJ is... He, did, he didn't win that fight against Corey, which is a bit, bit annoying. He's kind of he's, he's kind of right place, right time, but, you know. Yeah, I and also I was just thinking about this is like is this going to be the first title fight where TJ Dillashaw is the crowd favorite? <laughs> like, like he is I I feel uh, like that's a good opportunity for Aljamain to kind of rehabilitate himself. I feel like do you yeah, if he yeah, if he exploits TJ in the right way and the talk running up to the fight and the, and the media covers it in the right way, could be like yeah, Aljamain the good. But do you reckon what, he should uh, he should make that turn of being like Actually, I'm the good guy, sort of thing. Because I, I just find him immensely unlikable, Aldermaine Sterling. Like, I don't know about you, but uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm just not, not a huge fan. 
as of him as a person as a fighter that was fantastic like as a performance i know i know a lot of people in the crowd and i know a lot of people at home were not impressed by the performance but to be able to neutralize Jan like that that that's very very impressive Joe, this was one of the one of the things for me is like this is why i love this sport i mean like Petr Jan is so good he's so yeah. good and, and you that, saw that in round four and five. You absolutely, yeah, no, you absolutely did. But it's still like you know, this is a guy that we're looking at to go on and be just imperious now, and he's matched up with a guy that he's pretty much beaten before. He's won mm. the kind of mental battle going in. Everyone's just looking for him to get crowned, and there we go. We find a big weakness in his game, um, and and well, now the exciting thing is, who do we match mm. match Jan up with? Who's he going to fight? Um, do you send him way down the rankings and have to build him back up or do you leave him up there as like get a couple wins because I don't know however I feel about that because technically he's lost two title fights in a row oh no he's lost two title fights against Sterling in a row I should say he won the Sandhagen one Uh, for Um, me Joe Joe, he like this I won rematch that cannot happen until he wins at least two fights not just one two fights and then he can against well I mean, this is the thing. You've got just a smorgasbord of choices. Um, it's almost delectable. I, I, I could feel like we could roll a die and I could just okay. say names that come up and you'd be happy. Joe, I'm, I'm going to do that right I'm now. Gonna, I'm, I'm, go on. I'm just going to demonstrate how thick <laughs> this division is. My eyes are closed right now and I'm pointing. At... I've got I've got Merab. Wow. <laughs> okay. That'd be that would be a true a strong... test, eh? After the way he lost this fight. That would be and it. that's Sterling's teammate as well. Yeah. Um, that's that'd be interesting. I was thinking And you got the Russia Georgia. Cheeto thing, Vera? Russia, Georgia thing. <sighs> Cheeto's he's not quite there for me. It's not. Well, he's got the fight against Rob Font coming up, isn't he? So if the winner, winner of, that? of that fight winner of that I'd be happy with, yeah. Oh, that'd be a banger. That would be a banger. I just want to say this just quickly about round five of this fight that I thought Jan was so dominant in that round in all elements. And they kept going back to that DQ position from the first fight where Aljamain's on his knees. And Jan, every single time, scrambled to the back and was just laying on a bit of ground and pound from there. He was still throwing the kicks despite the takedowns. And then his takedown defense in that last round was superb. Like, absolutely superb. I thought that was the best round of the fight in terms of a performance from Jan. Um, but you could get the sense that maybe he was a, a little bit desperate, but I like the fact that he was still fighting his usual way. Like, he wasn't like, okay, I need to be aware of these takedowns now. It's like, I'm still going to power through. Oh, I, I think he genuinely I believed he was cruising to a win. Do you reckon? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I really right. do. I think he was like, well, all right, there's a bit of a blip there in two and three, but... Well, no, sorry. In his mind, like, he just dropped round three. He's, he's already got three in the bank. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right, let's, let's move on, Joe. Bro, this is... <laughs> this we are looking at Gilbert Burns versus Hamza Chimaev. Chimaev wins by decision, uh, which was your prediction for this fight. My prediction was Chimaev by first round knockout, and we were very close to a first round knockout at one stage. Um, this is maybe the best fight the UFC has had in a couple years, maybe. <laughs> like this is. It this was, was full it, oh, this was unreal. Octane, you know, maximum gas, <laughs> all gas, no brakes. I mean, it was, wow. It was, uh, 
well, it was it was stunning. It was everything you would hope it would be. It was everything to mm. every man. And the great thing about this one is you can come out with what with whatever opinion you want, and you can justify it. You can say, well, yeah. you know, the hype hype got ahead of itself. That it's not really real. He's been found out a little bit, and um, and no. now. Do you, do you buy into that? that he's I think there. Are, I think there are people who would look at that and say, "All right, if 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 he was fighting uh, a guy with a gas tank, who could put that kind of work on him like Burns did, did, and then he has to go into rounds four and five. I mean, Burns Burns started the fade, but let's say you got the Burns that we saw in round two, all right, mm. but it's round three, and then you got two rounds left. I think. You wouldn't fancy Chimaev in that in that situation, perhaps. And perhaps. Uh, well, this well, is, this uh, is too uh, much. Too I, much of a hypothetical. There, are, there are people out there, Joe. That's that's all I'm trying to say. There are people out there who will look at that and think, "All right, I, I fancy Colby to beat him. I fancy Usman to beat him." See, now I don't. I don't get that from this fight. So, first off, how did you score this fight? Because I had it two rounds to one for Chimaev, rounds one and three. Uh, and uh, two yeah, for yes, yes, Joe. And, and I thought that, that was so obvious that one of the things that I highlighted, one of the bits of commentary I highlighted from the whole card, in fact, the bit of commentary, which cracked yeah. me up at the time, and on rewatching it made me laugh a second time. So it was <laughs> two times. Was a Joe Rogan special at the start of. Oh, here uh, we go. <laughs> well, at the start of round three, that might well have been Burns's round, you know. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. Some people might have given that to Burns, and Felder was like, "Wow, oh, well, duh." Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah I, I, I mean, so. I, I think, I think most people did, and even the judges all gave it to Burns, didn't they? So, yeah. no dispute. It's a twenty-nine twenty-eight for Jimayev is the, is the scoring on this. Yeah, it was. Um, I don't get watching this fight and thinking that Chimaev is not the real deal. Personally, I, I thought he was incredible. Now let's go through this. The fact that he was. Switching stances throughout was impressive. His use of fainting was impressive. When he dropped Burns in the first... I, I thought his use of fainting, particularly in the first and first round, was particularly good. That, that fainting went away very quickly, though, in the second and third. Um, but he dropped Burns with a jab. Uh, I mean, it was his power hand, though, you know, when he switched stance into the uh, southpaw stance. From there... Yeah, the, the, it, was, it would have been a straight right, but it was, yeah, it was the jab. It was just the a jab. Um, but... He's got. He clearly has incredible power in that division. Problem is, is that Gilbert Burns was an absolute dog that night and took those shots and came swinging back with a couple shots that were that would have knocked out any other man. You know, the one where it's one literally spun Shemaev's head round. Round two, that was, wasn't it? Round two, yeah. It was. Um, it was. It was I, I can't, what can I say about this fight other than it? It, it was watch basically it a car crash. <laughs> it was a car, yeah. Watch it if you haven't. And it was like a car crash, basically. These two lads were just ramming into each other. Do you think that there's a clear weakness that's been shown for Chimaev here that a Colby Covington can exploit? So, um, <laughs> one of the things Chimaev did did show. Uh, and one of the bits of commentary I did agree with was that his takedown defense and balance in one leg looked otherworldly. It looked just ridiculous. Yeah. There was a point where Burns was in on a single leg, 
had his leg up the, uh, in oh, the air. He was and, dead to rights. And, uh, he was yeah, dead to rights, yeah. And Chumav just put his leg back down again, and Burns went down with both arms like pulled towards the mat. It was crazy. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was, it, that was that was insane. Like, how is how is a guy like Covington going to take that down? Considering that Covington's whole thing is chaining takedowns down and tiring you out. And also, like, people are looking now like, oh, Covington would... Covington doesn't hit hard. He doesn't hit like Burns hits. And I feel like Shemaev would probably just walk through most of those shots with absolute disrespect and disregard. I don't know if Covington could take those shots. I I thought I was going to come in with some fresh takes on that potential matchup because those those, those were my thoughts exactly. Exactly. How is anyone watching this and thinking, yeah, Covington would get the better of him? He's just not going to. I mean, he can't. He can't. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's, he, can, he can, but it's unlikely, I feel like. Well, it's just like, can Covington kind of powder puff punch his way to a fourth, fifth round where he's where mm. he's staying away from Chimaev? Uh, no, mm. because Chimaev's forward pressure is relentless. And if you can't sit him down or back him up with some power or threaten a mm. takedown, <laughs> then you are, there's a truck coming through and you're, you're tied to the tracks. Yeah, um, it, it was... And also the fact that Covington has near enough no head movement got badly. He got well, he didn't get badly dropped, but he got dropped by Masvidal in the fourth round of their fight when Masvidal was gassed, you know, with a fucking wild swing. And I mean, I think I think that's a that's a difficult matchup for Covington. And I know that Dana says that's probably the fight next, which I is think... insane as well when you think about the timeline of Chimaev's career. Sorry, Tom, I'm just going to steamroll you just for just for one moment. When you think about the timeline of Chimaev's career. 11 professional fights, been fighting professionally for five years, and he's facing Colby Covington next. My word, what a what a rise for this guy. I mean, he absolutely deserves it. Um, yeah. There's no one who would make any arguments otherwise. The very fact we're talking about him going in as the favourite against someone of the calibre of, of Covington, um, having been tested in this way against Burns and come through, it really it really shows just how special Hamza is. Um and that's certainly something that continues after this fight. Um, mm. What uh, I guess what I was going to say was... Um, <laughs> well, actually, it loses me right now. It's just, I'm, 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 so, I'm so in awe. Well, um, I think... About, the about fa- Hamza. Yeah, I mean, the thing about Hamza was, look, I, th- I think there is there's still one remaining question and the question is not mm. can he take a shot because <laughs> he <took some laughs> fucking massive overhands from burns he was eating uppercuts he was he was get, he took some big shots yeah. um uh but it's not can he be taken down it still is like how is that gas tank how is it now he looked good in round 3 um and he won yeah. that round uh quite comfortably add a bit of a canter but Burns dropped off in a major way mm. Burns really he dropped off in a major way he rallied big time yeah. after the first after he'd been split open by some beautiful ground and pound from, from Hamza and that straight right that you mentioned that jab um, mm. Burns rallied in round two won it comfortably but he was he was gone by round three he was gone but yeah he was gone and by Jemai round three he didn't he, have he, to he, do much he didn't have to do that much you know no, they were still trading, but if I felt like we weren't in much danger of no. of a finish from 
Burns and definitely and neither from Chimaev. I well, felt I, I felt like Burns emptied the tank in that second to be yeah. like I've got to I've got to do something here. Yeah, Burns couldn't and, couldn't couldn't keep that level of output up. Now there are fighters out there that can in round three. Yeah, uh, Colby Covington. Colby Covington. Uh, I, I mean, I'm going to put Usman up there as well as a, as a man with incredible yeah. conditioning. Uh, yeah, that fight definitely not suspicious, but you know, <laughs> save that for another day again. Yes. Do you think? Um. Do you think that the, the thing is for Burns as well that he does tire out or he tired out in that third round because of that power that he has because that drains you a lot quicker than what Covington throws out, which is that sort of pitter patter, sort of just jabbing you in the face, like just being in your face the whole time. Way oh, no that, doubt. Oh, yeah, so the fact that Covington has that type of attack, I it, again, I think that is going to be a bit of a problem when he does face Chimaev. My other question is: is that this is is this one of those rare fights where both guys' stock go up because of this? Like, do you I, feel like Burns is is more credible now as a title contender, even in this loss? I like I I just feel like there's been a bit of disrespect shown towards Burns. Really, uh, we yeah. were talking about his caliber. We probably weren't highlighting it quite strongly enough in the preview. Um, mm. He's then shown that on the big stage here. Uh, he gave Chimaev everything we all the tests we wanted him to to face, and mm. uh, I really hope that people do uh, you know love and respect Burns. Burns, a guy who, who fights out of Florida, I believe he trains there. Yeah. And he wasn't really getting appreciated by the crowd. I, I hope yeah. now he did win the Moby. You could hear that at the end there, and he did mm. get the acclamation from Chimaev in the post fight. That's one tough, you know, uh, tough dude. Yeah, that is one tough. Dude. I think I think that's something that people forget as well is that like Burns was the test, and Chimaev passed it. Uh, but that doesn't then mean that. Burns is worthless now as a fighter. He is still a quality top draw welterweight. Just because he was the test doesn't mean that he sort of can be disregarded because that was his role tonight. I mean, I mean, it was just. I feel like this was almost like you know myth building in a way of like this is this guy is just going to go out there and he's going to he'll fight any fucker. Like it doesn't matter. Like he's RDA. Like even referenced in interviews, I want to be RDA. And this is, that's who I look up to. And it's like, shit, man. Like, hopefully you don't take too many, too much damage like this again. You know, hopefully you you face some, you know, someone with soft hands, Michael Chiesa, perhaps, you know, who (laughs) just took uh, the number 11 spot from Chimaev. Chimaev, by the way, rocketed up to number three in the rankings now. Um, And justifiably so, yeah. Just By the way, why is Colby Covington the number one contender still? Like that is just not not on, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Le- Leon Edwards has, has got to be there now. And, oh, uh, so, so now now we're officially saying that Leon Edwards versus Usman is the fight to make. We, we are. That's how I think we we lined up in the preview, saying that a no. knockout, first round knockout. Well, that's what I felt. First round knockout for Chimaev. I, I don't care who Leon Leon <laughs> Smith. He's gone. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in in the eventuality that Chimaev does come through by decision, which the more adroit mm. of us did predict, uh, he mm. he would then have to fight one more guy. But if that guy's mm. Colby Covington, it's great. If that guy's the winner of Luke versus Mohammed, great. <sighs> Luke versus Chimaev. Oh that sounds exciting, <laughs> right? Because we really got to see Chimaev's hands. 
Um, oh my god! I, I, by the way, now that you said that, I don't, I'm not interested in that Covington fight at all. But the problem is, the problem is, Jemayev picks Luke up, does the helicopter, dunks him on his head, and chokes him out. I, I, I just, I don't think he trades with with Luke, and I don't think he needs to. Fair enough. Um, Mackenzie Dern uh, defeats Tisha Torres by decision. Um, again. An interesting one in terms of scoring. Um, now, you picked Torres by decision. Uh, and I want to know, is that how you actually scored it? Did you score it 2-1 to one for Torres? So did my did my innate bias uh, guide me? Exactly. This, it was, well, it was a tough one to score. It was yeah. a tough one to score. And, uh, you know, like... How much do you credit submission attempts that are then not successful? Of course, if they're submission attempts that control the other fighter, then that has to count for a lot, mm. right? But then you've also got to credit the other fighter for evading those submissions um, mm. and still being able to implement their game, uh, which is mm. something we saw in round two, which was a which was a crazy round. Uh, thanks. To that was Mackenzie, mad, wasn't it, Mackenzie? I mean, pulling guard, <laughs> using a standing guard. Yeah. yeah, 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 like. And, because Torres was just like, I'm definitely not going to the mat with you. Like, and you, you're just going to have to drag me there, like kicking and screaming. Um, I'm getting the uh, impression. By the way, by the way, is us talking about round scoring and whatnot? Is this like the equivalent on like match of the day when they're just talking about the referee's performance? Like, it's, <laughs> I, d- I don't know how how this comes across, but well, um, listeners, feel free to submit uh, submit any feedback critiques. on that. Yeah, uh, like the inbox does occasionally overflow but we will get back to you um oh actually. yeah it's yeah, non-stop sure. too, isn't it? it's, it's crazy being a big time podcaster it, but as we were big. saying we want to talk about this we haven't been able to yet and uh hopefully others find it an interesting discussion on the round scoring i gave it joe round one tisha torres round two mackenzie dern round three mackenzie dern so really i, I yeah I, it, I scored. I scored it uh, two one Torres, with with round three going to um, Torres. Yeah. yeah, I had it for Torres. I thought it was. I thought it was a close round, and I thought that her striking was um, more impactful. I love that. Uh, just kicking Dern off and uh, to the cage. I thought it was brilliant. That sort of uh, off her back, just punting her basically um, to the cage. Yeah, I thought Torres clearly won that round. And to be honest, I'm slightly surprised that. To me, for me, for me, I think it's surprising that Dern actually won the fight. And so, I have gone some doubts about Mackenzie Dern as a title contender. Oh, and I do not. I do, She's nowhere near it. She's nowhere near. Yeah, if she faces Zhang Weili, like I, she ain't winning that fight. Like I'm, I'm sorry, Mackenzie, but she's, the, I just, I'm just not seeing it. The commentator spent a long time uh, praising her stand-up and the improvements she's made. Joe, it just gets sloppy as hell. Anytime yeah. Mackenzie can't get the opponent to the mat, she comes like mm. wading in, throwing looping mm. shots, and she just gets ragdolled. Uh, you know, by the... like, well, she, she just get brushed outside, off. Right outsized effects, you know. When when the other fighter steps out of the line and counters, she's just getting getting picked off. It was just... So, I, just so wanted, example, I wanted to pull you up on so round, for, round three. Just, go on. Just quickly. Yeah. Well... Yeah, because you said you scored it to Torres because of the uh, heavier shots. That's something I don't agree with. Um, no, no, no. More varied shots for me. More varied. The, she that... had the volume, but but to- the, but Dern had the the heavier shots. Um, um, 
Maybe, maybe. I I felt like Dern was pressuring but missing a lot. I, yeah. I think she missed a lot of shots, and yeah. to me, that's 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 a bit of a. And know, she, she really that, tired yeah. towards the end of that round, which which also made it even sloppier. I mean, yeah, you, you we talked about the Vander Yanderoba fight where they ended up just having an absolute mm. slot fest on the feet. As you say, Dern versus Wiley, Dern versus uh, some of the other ladies at the top of that division. She she's not there. She's can not I there. can I run you through the stats by the way for round three in terms of strikes? Um, yes. Torres landed make me thirty-nine. Win, I can fi- tell. Go on. Torres landed 39 of 57, which is 68%. Mackenzie Dern landed 20 of 63 for 31%. And that's not good. In isolation, that is indefensible. Um, That is very bad. bad. Again, though, that's just... The the paperwork makes it look, obviously, one way compared to what it actually was. But anyway, go on. Well, no, in round one, it was was the same. Uh, Dern landed only 24% of the strikes she threw. Uh, mm. At least at one stage during that round, whereas Torres was up around fifty-three percent again. So, I, th- I think when you are considering those metrics, it, it, it is hard to to score round three for Dern. It, there was the takedown, and, wasn't there? That was a. And also, I worry as well for her against these high-level, higher-ranked contenders. When, if you think about round two, so we both agree that she won that round, and that, that she, by the, gra- the question, by the grappling, yeah. what's that? Could that be debated? Not for me. Not for me. I think when you're controlling the attacks and that you're that the opponent is just defending, and for me that would be enough of a way to win the round. But it's not so much the fact that that was how she was attacking her. It's how she got to that position, which is just you can't rely on that as a, as a method of getting people to the mat. Like what clinching up against the cage and then just you know. Climbing up against on the cage and wrapping your legs around them, trying to pull guard like that's. Listen, you got to watch your Paul Craig tapes if you're going to do stuff like that. You know, like you can't be, you can't be just, you can't just be doing those sorts of moves. You, you got to be, if you're a grappler, you got to be, you know, throwing like double jabs into a takedown. You know, press them against the cage, get a single leg, try and get a trip in there, something along those lines, but. This is it's not a sustainable way of what, fighting. Joe, Joe, she was just trying to bum rush Tisha from the get go, really. Um, yeah. She tried to cover distance very fast. Any hint of uh, Tisha being off balance or near the cage, Dern would lunge in and grab whatever she could, try and tie her up to ex- begin a grappling exchange. But Tisha was pretty effective there at evading that. And it did actually take um, Dern, as you, as you say, pulling trying to pull guard and, 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 and jumping up there in the second round. Mm. What are you going to say? I mean, uh, what are you going to say? I, I, don't, I don't know how much more I can I can add to that fight. Yeah, there, there's there's not much for me to really say about this. Other than I, th- I honestly think Tisha Torres was... I think this is more of a robbery than Jan Sterling, personally. Like, I, this is way more of a robbery. I mean, I, I scored anyway. it for Dern, Joe. I am the enemy. But I'm not going to die on that hill. Oh, let's All get right. to the uh, one everyone's <laughs> waiting for. <laughs> yeah, Marco Madsen um, squeaking a again squeaking a decision of Vince Pichel. Um, again, going to round scoring here. I had it two-one Madsen with the second round going to Pichel or Pitchell, have you say it? Um, yeah, I'm same sorry, here. mate. But Mark, here. Mark, Mark, 
Marco Madsen, I'm not having you as a title contender, brother. Like, no offense. DC is miles away, Joe. But you, you were trying to tell me, you were trying to tell me he's the man to watch coming into this. Fight. I thought he was going to be. I thought that this is if he was. I think this is one of those examples of a guy who's taken up all these other disciplines a bit too late in life, and that it's not just going to be a part of your muscle memory. You know, I thought, like when I, you look at like when you look at someone like Adesanya when it comes to like his grappling and takedown defense, like that seems really ingrained into his game. Whereas Marco Madsen's a wrestler who's seems to have bolted on a leg kick and a one-two. Like it's not there's not a meshing of styles here that he really only managed in the third round and that was just from like grappling and holding Pichel down yeah it, yeah it was um and the other thing that I thought it was interesting here is we've had a few uh I've got a herd of reindeers running past my window here Joe just to interrupt oh my box. god <laughs> yeah <laughs> this is a magical moment for the for me for the audio uh, <laughs> <laughs> listeners I hope you're happy for Tom um right. I know I am. Uh, uh, yeah. Tom, do you want to actually... Tom, get back in the game. Marco Get Madsen. back in the game. Marco Madsen. Right, he's not there. And what he's not there at is wrestling. He's another one of these Olympic wrestlers. He's Yoel Romero, the top-tier guy, the one you expect to turn it on. It just doesn't seem to translate. Um, no, Takedowns, not that convincing. And not able to hold the guy down comfortably apart from in the third round. Uh, it, it is weird. And it's just not quite the same sport, is it? Greco-Roman wrestling and MMA wrestling, they are very different. Do you uh, think it's the case of maybe someone staying in Greco-Roman wrestling for too long and maybe not making that transition earlier? Maybe you didn't see it as a potential career path? Because well, well, if, like, if you look at someone like Usman, who was a decorated wrestler, or Colby Covington, was it, they kind of went into MMA in their early 20s. What about Justin Gaethje? What about him? Well, he's a decorated wrestler <laughs> who, who can't really <laughs> who seems to not be any game. Not bothered about it. Yeah, I think hitting mitts is more fun for him. Like, well, yeah, I think that's he, what I he get just from it. got like Khabib ran through him, didn't he? Um, yeah. I I mean, I guess the key difference in the sports is that you know once you've got the guy down, you you've you've, you've won, haven't you? In in traditional wrestling, whereas these guys they keep they keep kicking, they keep fighting, and you have to hold them there. Yeah, so, well, you're getting elbowed in the head, and yeah. you know, there's there's dirty little tricks happening in there that you don't see, that you know, the little nicks and whatnot. But yeah, I, I don't know. I didn't get much from this fight. Actually, to be honest, I, I thought I thought I got more out of Pitchell than, than Madsen from this Pitchell fight. Pitchell was like, funny. I, I watch this. I watch this fight. I watch this guy fight again. Gunslinger. Yeah, I'm, I'm a fan. Uh, I can't talk anymore about that fight, Joe. <laughs> yeah. Fuck it. But what anyway, Tom, you retain. Yeah, I retain you another well, new, neutralize you with a with a draw. It's not not the way I want to win these belts, but I'm racking them up now with that method. So the Jose mm. Mourinho of Marco Madsen approach. <laughs> <laughs> just neutralize me on the ground and it's just like shit. Just Great, yeah, sit on you, bro. Can I run through some prelims uh stuff for you? You can take a couple of minutes because I didn't I didn't watch them. I did Rosenstrike, Tybura, I just couldn't I couldn't do it after Chimaev and uh, Covington. Well, that was... Well, to let you know, that was actually cancelled from the prelims to oh, Tybura. God. Tybura just, oh, God. To Tybura, Tybura Jay, uh, Jay, take it away. becoming take it ill. Away. Um, Ian Gary, uh, a man who likes to proclaim himself as one of the best on the mic. Um, if you can uh, tell me any of his great lines, I'll, uh, I won't be holding my breath. Uh, eked out a decision win over Darian Weeks. 
and then proceeds to get on the mic and uh, bore me to death. Got nothing from this. I think Ian Gary's a very young fighter who is maybe being pushed a smidge too hard. And um, I think he should stick to some prelim fights and rack up some experience. Sage Northcut vibes. That's exactly it. That's exactly what I'm going from it. Um, Anthony Hernandez versus Josh Fremd. That definitely happened. Uh, Raquel Pennington beat Aspen Ladd. Aspen Ladd now is in a bad way, brother. I think we're potentially looking at a cut from the UFC. Three defeats in a row. A couple bad showings on the on the um, stool. And some very weird cornering as well. It's... Um, Something's a bit off there, I think, and I think there might have to be a change of camp uh, for the lad. Mike Malone knocking out Mickey Gall in round one. Mickey Gall, by the way, knocked down, face down, ass up, takes some uh, ground and pound, and as immediately as the ref calls out, Gall just stands up and he's just like, why did you call that off? So Gall, <laughs> fair play to him, can take a shot. Was it a was um, kidney failure again? Like in the Diego, Diego I, I, Sanchez fight? You remember that? Is, is that I, I didn't know if the kidneys are connected to the chin but he took one full on the chin it was a pretty good scrap for however long it was a couple minutes so I recommend that that's the only fight I'd really recommend from the prelims I, I'm not watching Alexa. Mickey Gall on the prelims Joe I have rules <laughs> um, and then uh, the only other thing I'd like to bring up is Alexi Olenek uh, defeating Jared Van der with a scarf hold, brother. He oh, got that old nice. man strength in there, and it was nice. great to see Olenek, whose record now with that win goes to 60 wins and 16 losses. Wow, what a legend. What a legend. What a legend of the sport. Right. Let's do some news. And there is a big bit of news I'm going to bring to you, Tom. Henry Cejudo, Triple C, the king of cringe, is back. He is back in the USADA testing pool. He needs to be tested for six months, and then he can officially take on a fight. He is back in the UFC after being, quote, retired for two years. Tom, how does that move you? Does that move you in your loins in the way that it has for me? Uh, Joe, it does. Uh, it absolutely does. Uh, this is a man who's won the big fights out there. He's turned his career yep. around. And I have nothing but respect for him. It's crazy for me to say that. Uh, because of his antics, but ultimately, for me, he is now a draw. So, what I want to know, Joe, when you say he's back, he's in the testing pool, that's great to hear. Uh, mm. Has he commented on this publicly? I believe so, in that he was calling out Volkanovsky after that main event on Saturday night, to which Volkanovsky's already responded and say, win some fights and then maybe I'll fight you. I don't know if I actually... I'd be interested to see that fight, to see if Cejudo can do it, because he's dared to be great before, and why would you not want to see that again? That would but be truly, uh, truly astonishing. Yeah, could you imagine? Uh, like, no, no, I can't. <laughs> but I couldn't imagine him beating uh, Mighty Mouse or becoming the bantamweight champion either. So, I'm happy to be proven wrong by Henry Cejudo, to be honest. Although, saying that, uh, bantamweight is really where I want to see him, and him versus Aljamain Sterling. We can't bump Jose him Aldo. We can't bump him back down to the flyweight mix-up. It's, it's too, no, it's no way. It's too big. For no. All five foot three, Henry. Uh, the two fighters you mentioned that Aldo or Sterling. 
Oh my god, he's not. I'm, I'm not having him walking straight back into a title fight. I mean, Dillashaw. I know we've just oh. made a fight for TJ. Oh, I'd like that. Again. It's a bit of a legacy um, fight, isn't it? Did you see uh, TJ Dillashaw talking about that flyweight fight he had? He uh, uh, no. He said this week. He said my body was dying as I was doing. It's just like, yeah, bro. We know. Like we saw you. You looked horrible. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Cejudo. I'm excited to have bring him. Back. Him. Get just, him in the I, mixer. Go. Get him in the bantamweight mixer. Anywhere. Yeah. Anyone. Sounds good. Title fight. I hear you. Right. <laughs> uh, let's. Uh, Tom, did you have some news that you wanted to throw at me? Uh, nothing huge. Nothing huge. My assault. On the zombie continues. Um, I wanted to ask your thoughts about this. Uh, A lot of people think that Asian men not being able to become champion means Asian men are weak. But that is not the case. It's because Asian men are not given as much opportunity as perhaps other races. If I become champion, then more Asian MMA fighters will be given the opportunity to fight in the UFC and potentially become champion. Does he have a point? Who, the zombie? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I think that there is... I think historically, the UFC has never really done that well with Asian MMA fighters. Well, we do have quite a number of uh, big promotions coming out of Asia, right? One. One. Rising. rising. Yeah, yeah, you've got got a couple of promotions there, which uh, they pay their Asian fighters very well. Um, And then I think about that they had... Kyoji Horiguchi, who is potentially the best bantamweight in the world, um, and then they just sort of let him go, and it's like it's a bit of a bit of a weird thing to do, really. And he's since gone on and competed and won in Ryzen, won the Bellator title. Uh, he did just lose in the uh, Bellator title fight against Sergio Pettis, who landed maybe the luckiest shot of his entire life to knock Horiguchi out. But I don't know about the zombie thing. I was thinking about this when I saw those quotes the other day, and I think that there's... He's almost right on something, which is how Asian men are depicted when it comes to martial arts and combat sports, and martial arts in general, is that you get people like Bruce Lee, for example, historically, who is a revered figure um, worldwide. But I feel like... Tell me if I'm wrong here, but... Most Asian men, when it comes to martial arts, are, put- <laughs> are portrayed as, quote, ninjas and are shown to be, like, sneaky and use it as, like, a sneaky cunning thing, which, in a way, is, well, racist, really. Uh, case in point, WWE, uh, who have a one of the best professional wrestlers from Japan in Akira Tozawa, who is a very charismatic guy, and they put him in a ninja costume and made him very sneaky <laughs> in the last couple of years. So, I don't well, know. I, I wonder... I, I, okay. Now, we don't necessarily align all the time politically, you and I. So, without making this a politics podcast, um, I have to say that it is perhaps accurate that Asian men are portrayed in that way. And clearly, the example you've given there would be a key, a key one. Very hard to dispute. And perhaps there is... Um, an element of society that that, that, that that buys into that and perpetuates those stereotypes. In which case, for those people, uh, Korean, Korean zombie, 
not Chan San Jung, but Korean zombie, <laughs> mm. uh, is right. However, I guess my feeling was that uh, with mixed martial arts predominantly being Asian, my uh, my understanding has always been that Asian guys are really hard as nails. <laughs> uh, yeah, but you're you're looking at that from our perspective of it, you know, of like how we talk about the sport, and then you think about how most viewers of this sport actually view it and how they got into it and it's and some of their political views you know because it's a predominantly right-wing sport you know let's let's be honest the political views of some of the people involved in the sport are horrendous some of the people actually involved in the sport are you saying that you think that dana thinks uh chan song jung is a sneaky ninja joe maybe um i wouldn't put it past him i just think I think it just depends. Maybe on there's something there. Maybe there's something there. I, I guess it's like so many of these other kind of hot button issues right now. It's like um, that might be a reality that's true for some, but I just feel like mm. in the more progressive, the more worldly part of society, um, the UFC is I a mean, truly I... global sport with global stars, and this just feels a bit like a a straw man. Bit maybe, maybe. I think also I don't know though because like. You know, I, I've heard people say things like this, and this isn't about, it's not about Asian men, but when Mighty Mouse was in the UFC and he was champion, and people were like, look at the size of him, I could beat him up. And it's just like, bro, Demetrius Johnson would fucking wreck your shit, and it wouldn't even be hard for him. Like, he would absolutely muller every person that I know. Like, he is no one of those skillful, brilliant fighters. So I think that that's often the stereotype is Asian men are shorter and scrawnier, thus they are weaker. And I think that that's more the issue but in this general. Is, so, sorry, Joe. This is where I feel like the we, there is a huge platform in MMA like, that already exists that combats those mm. uh, stupid stereotypes. That, that's my feeling, is that <laughs> MMA is the absolute definition of just... Um, like, is a counterpoint to people who perceive that. So maybe, yeah. But again, but again, though, like, okay, if I think about, for example, my favorite fighters, you know, if I think about like Sakuraba, for example, you know, he's one of my all-time favorite fighters, and it's like, but I feel like that's because of who I am is why he's one of my favorite fighters. Whereas someone else might watch him and think he's boring and. You know, oh, he's Japanese, thus he's not going to be that good of a fighter and whatever else. I, I don't know. Like, it depends, I have depends not, on how it I, is. I, I guess we, have, we, mix, we mix in different circles. I have not met somebody who says, oh, he's Asian. He, he must be boring and small and s- sneaky. But I those think... people do definitely <laughs> exist. They, they do, do exist, exist, for sure. They do exist. They, they do exist. Like, I I think that... I think if, if Chan Sung Jung is saying this... I feel like he's based it off of some real life experience that he's had or some real life feedback that he's had or something that he's heard in the gym or or experienced by fighting abroad, you know, but when he was in WEC or in the UFC. Does that mean that I could go on the mic and say, look, I want to be given the chance to, be, to beat Francis Ngannou and show that men of average height can be heavyweight champions? 
Fucking hell. I, I'm so glad you said average height and not the white man. Like, I was I was really worried for a moment you were going to go down that road. But, um... <laughs> sorry. Um, no, that's but that's ridiculous, though. Joe, like, I, of the, course, it, but of course it, you couldn't. Average be. height man can be champion. DC, he was already the champ. Take your hate out of here, Joey. Take your hate. Oh wait, hold on. You've else. set me up there, basically. Fucker, great. Cheers. Thank you so much. Uh, right, fight night preview. Uh, let's see if we can do this in a record eighty seconds. All right, uh, go. Let's see if I can actually pronounce these pronounce these names properly. Right. Main card. Uh, here we go. I'm going to read a name out. Uh, I'm going to read the fight out. Can and you read Tom, both I just names want you... so I get the choice of both guys? Nope. Um... <laughs> okay. All right. Opening the main card. Munir Lazez versus Ange Lusa. Uh, Ange Lusa? Is that with an S? Yeah. L O O S A. His name is Loser. I'm, I'm picking the other one. I'm picking the other guy, Joe. That's a no-brainer. He's a Swiss fighter with a record of eight no. and two. On, answer, um, mate. Answer. He wins that fight. Pat Sabatini versus TJ Laramie in the featherweight division. Uh, TJ Dillashaw was a champion. They have the same first name. TJ Laramie okay. to win this fight. <laughs> okay, excellent. Okay. Uh, in the women's flyweight division, Myra Bueno Silva versus bueno. Yanan Wu. Ooh. Asians are not weak. <laughs> I will pick Yanan Wu. Here we go. Uh, Andre Filiao versus Miguel Baeza. Filiao? Yeah. Touchy Feely's Brazilian cousin? Maybe. Filiao? Uh, Filial, is that how you say it? I don't know. I, I, I take your word for it. Filial, I will go for it. Him over Baeza. Shit. <laughs> no, Miguel Baeza. <laughs> no, yeah. no, you've chosen it now. No, All right. no, no, um, no, no, no. Here we go. I've got two names here that I'm really worried about, but I'm going to give it a go. Kayao Borajo. That was terrible. I'm sorry. Versus Gadsi. Omar Gadjiev. <laughs> do we have a picture of Gadjiev? He has. He's Russian. Yeah. 13 and 0 middleweight. Yeah. All right, enough. Gadjiev. He has a beard. Yeah, yeah. He has enough. a beard yeah. with a slightly trimmed mustache. Oh, he has a mustache. Omar Gad- slight mustache, you know, like a slight one. Like so fashion. beard. I don't know. It's not the Abe Lincoln beard, but he's mm. got a beard. Ooh. 13 and 0. 13 and 0. Both I'm pretty sure Borahal or whatever you said then. I think that's an insult. Borahal. Borahal. I think that's a, a bad word to say. I'm going to pick the other Borahal. guy. Borahal. Okay. All right. Anyway, I'm not going to keep doing this. Anyway, main event. Thank God. Vincente Luque versus Bilal Mohamed. Um, God, what a terrible yeah. fight night. Who are those fellas? <laughs> apart from this Miguel. Is, this is... Apart from, well, Vincente Luque, Bilal Mohamed and Miguel Baeza are about the only people we actually know. Um, who I are you picking pr- for the... I, I pray, I pray, Luque, the striking hope of welterweight, does not get mm. derailed here. So, lead with my heart, Joe, as ever. And mm. unless, there's, unless there's a belt on the line, in which case it's head all day. Um, yeah. And I pick Luque to win by... Decision. Lovely. I'm looking at the uh, the prelims. You've got also got Chris Barnett 
versus uh, Martin Boudet. Do you remember Chris Barnett? Yeah. He knocked, he knocked out Jean Valente and then did that wicked celebration. He's fighting. Yeah. And then also, Trey Ogden versus Jordan Levitt. Do you remember Jordan Levitt? I do. Yeah, he did the splits. With his weird, with his weird celebration. Yeah. And yes. he did. He dumped the guy, right? He knocked out by... Yes, by, slam, by sl- knock out slam, yeah. yeah. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Right. Tom. I think we should wrap this up there. We've, Absolutely. we've rambled on for far too long. I'm sorry, listeners. Thank you so much for joining us, though, uh, on this uh, episode, UFC 273 Review. Tom retains his title only just, only just, but he does do it, and to which I say congratulations. But that title will be mine next time round, in which we will be talking about the Charles Oliveira-Justin Gaethje pay-per-view. Uh, maybe we'll be back next week to talk about this Fight Night card. Um Tom has a look on his face of please no. Uh, well, <laughs> well I, I, like so. credit to the guys, new blood coming through. The dedicated professionals we are, we should find out who these guys are. Um, yes. So we hopefully we'll be back, guys. If not, until <laughs> next time. Yes. Thank you so much, uh, Tom, and thank you, listeners, for joining us. And uh, have a pleasant evening. Bye, everyone. everybody. Bye, 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 bye.